The following podcast contains spoilers and is spooky as fuck. <laughs> Everybody and welcome back to episode 2 of Spooktober. In case you've forgotten, I love horror movies, my wife Noosk doesn't, so I'm making you watch them. And how, how have you been going with it so far, Noosk? Last week we watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers and you liked that. I did, it was an excellent film. Um, still a little nervous going in because I don't like horrors, but keeping an open mind. Yeah, well uh, part of this is I want to show you that horror films can be fun, they can be you know, really, like, give you a good feeling after you watch them. So, I hopefully... I a good feeling. Yeah, definitely. That's what October is all about, man. Okay. So, last week you said you wanted to do a ghost movie next. So, I had to think about what I thought would work for you, and I settled on 1982's Poltergeist. Now, you have not seen this, is that right? I have not. I have often thought maybe that could be one I try. It's a little older now, so often the scary effects don't hold up so well. Um, I'm in- I'm intrigued. I'm yeah. interested. So, what do you know about Pol? Do you know anything about this movie? Like, is- no, really. That's I see a creepy girl on the poster with her hand on the TV. I assume okay, she gets yeah. sucked into the TV or something. So you know about the t- yeah. Okay, that's that's about my level of horror. That's good. All right. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about this, so let, let's get into it then. Poltergeist is a 1982 American supernatural horror film directed by Toby Hooper, and wait for this, written by Steven Spielberg. Oh. Michael Grays and Mark Victor from a story by Spielberg. It stars Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, Heather O'Rourke, and Beatrice Strait, and it was produced by Spielberg and Frank Marshall. Craig T. Nelson. He's the dad from Parenthood. Yep, cool. Yes, he is. Yeah. Glad I, glad I got that out of the way. <laughs> also a dad in this. Does knowing Spielberg's involvement in this give you any any hope that maybe this will be up your alley or is a heartwarming horror a thing? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, does it surprise you to hear his name in the horror? It really does. I mean, ET freaked me out when I was a kid, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean lots of child actors in that. They are pretty horrific, aren't they? <laughs> Oh yeah, I just I don't know. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. And uh, as mentioned, I'll be I'll be pairing beers with our oh, horror movies. God. <laughs> so this week I've chosen a nice dark stout called Surrender to the Void. Um, oh, is that a is that a clue for me? No. Nah, well, maybe it's not as scary as it sounds though, because it's Rocky Road flavored. So it's <laughs> <laughs> most of your beers are actually dessert, <laughs> liquid dessert. All right, are you ready to get spooky? No. Never. Let's get spooky. Stop that. That's so annoying. <laughs> All right, Poltergeist. How did you feel about it? That was great. It was excellent. Yeah? Yeah. That okay. was that was just my level of like scary that I like. Okay, good. Well let's let's do this first then on the Halloween spooky scale. Were you scared at any point in this movie? Uh, I, I think I jumped twice, maybe. Yeah. Okay. There, there was a couple where I thought, oh, that was supposed to be a jump scare, but I didn't jump. Right. And mm, the, the effects haven't held up 
too okay. well, so that Bit, helped. <laughs> well, Poltergeist is widely renowned as a major critical and commercial success. It was the eighth highest grossing film of 1982. Mm. It was nominated for three Academy Awards, and it was named by the Chicago Film Critics Association as the 20th scariest film ever made. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. The scene with the clown doll was ranked as number 80 oh, on Bravo's 100 scariest clown. movie moments, and the film also appeared at number 84 on the AFI's 100 Years 100 Thrills list. I did not like the clown. That was one of the times I jumped. <laughs> you know what? I've seen this movie a lot, and I saw it a lot as a kid. I forgot how much iconic shit was in this film. Like, obviously, mm. I remember the ghostly stuff. Like, I remember- Everyone remembers the little girl and the TV and they're mm -hmm. here. Like, mm. that's just a line that stays with you. Mm. I had forgotten that in this movie, we also had the creepy doll. We had the wolf beast in the closet. You had that iconic scene with of, the mum of Joe being Beth Williams up, being yeah. pulled up the ceiling. I forgot yeah. that all of that was in this film. And the long hallway. I mean- I assume, yeah, The Shining would have come before this. So, is yeah. that that's a famous scene from The Shining, isn't it? Don't know. There, there is a hallway scene in The Shining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you have me here to talk about this. <laughs> even even the classic scene, and I'll always remember the lightning storm scene with the creepy tree, the tree out yeah. the window, which has become so iconic. You know, like The Simpsons riff on that nearly every Halloween special mm. with the treehouse, and I had forgotten that that came from this film. Yeah, I, I, I felt like there was a lot of um, tropes that I've seen in other horrors, but I wasn't quite so scared in this. I found it really enjoyable, actually. It was quite funny at times, too. Yeah, okay. So, let's start with, as I mentioned, it was written by Spielberg mm. from a story by him. So, Toby Hooper was hired to direct because of his I think work. you mean Tobe. <laughs> Tobe. So when his name came up, I was like, Tobe, and you were like, Toby, and I was like, with an E? Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. Um, so he was chosen by Spielberg to direct this because of his direction of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh. which is a much darker and grittier film. Yeah, I won't than watch this. that. You'll never get me to watch that. There ever. are always rumors that this film was actually directed by Spielberg. It feels like it. feels like it. I know for sure there has been proof that he, I think, assistant directed on one scene or for one day of shooting or something. And so, this, this perpetual rumour has come about that he directed the whole film. I do think it's amazing how much this movie has that feeling of a Spielberg film. Mm, big time. But I, I don't think he directed it. I, th I think this was our man, Tobe. What else has Tobe done apart from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? He did a shitload of horror movies, actually. Pretty much- all horrors. He's he's any as heartwarming as this one. Um, no, no, okay, no. I think it was Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. I'm right. When you see that opening shot, like it's you know, there's there's been some some story taking place, and then it's sort of like roll credits, and the music is swelling, and there's kids playing in the street, and it's just yeah. this panning shot of like suburbia. I was like, oh, such a Steven Spielberg film, and then his name came up, and I was like. Yep. Okay. The movie has such a level of nostalgia about it, which mm. only Spielberg films can. If you're a kid from the 80s or 90s, I think this would really resonate with you, this film. Yeah. Although I have to say, I do find- It's funny, most people would not say this, but kids are way better behaved today than they were back then. Holy oh, shit. Oh, I think everybody would say that. Those kids were assholes. Well, kids- I mean, think about it. When was Knocking the last time- Knocking that guy off his bike. Yeah. But when was the last time you saw kids just hanging out? 
on in the, the street. street. Yeah. Like you don't see that. Like I remember doing that as a kid in the nineties. But even by have- the nineties, it was parents were starting to clamp down on that stuff. Yeah, the opening scene actually surprised me a bit. Um, the American national anthem playing. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, like the coming out through the TV was was cool, but yeah. I just. Yeah, I just was not expecting that music. It was just really surprising to me to start a horror that way. That's a TV thing. That used to be when channels were about to go off air because they didn't oh. they didn't play stuff all day every day. No, well, so I remember would, that. So it would stop at around two a.m. I can't remember what they used to do here. Like I remember, like Rage used to be the last thing on at like three a.m. Rage it was would always stop. on. But Rage that, like, never ended. I remember like certain times it would stop, and I can't remember if we had a message. But in the states, they would play the national anthem to right. play out the station. <laughs> can't do that in Australia. They'd be like, what the yeah, fuck are you doing, mate? Yeah. Stop that. That's, stop that shit. <laughs> and it's so funny, you know, and that's where I think you get that real Spielberg sense that the amount of pop culture references in this mm. film yeah, that yeah. really set that time and place. So much Star Wars paraphernalia. There's a lot of Star Wars. So much. <laughs> it, yeah. While we were watching, you had a bit of a, you know, you were like, oh, well, that's just like product placement. But I, I don't know. I kind of feel like. A kid's bedroom in, in 82 probably would have looked like that. Like, Star Wars was a big deal. I agree, yeah. But that bedroom, even though it's a brother and sister sharing, it is Star Wars, yeah, a clown, and then yeah. her bed. <laughs> what is with the clown? Like Fucking hell, that clown. Even Jesus. before the clown turns evil, it's fucking terrifying. Like, no kid would want that doll. Like, it is That's fucking terrifying. That's not true. That's not true. Our youngest would. She is obsessed with clowns. Remember, she wanted to get you one for your birthday, and our eldest was like, drop it. Daddy would hate a clown. They're fluffy like birds. Enough. <laughs> I, I do hate birds. Yes. <laughs> she loves clowns for some reason. She's yeah, she's a clearly creep, not, though. She's, yeah, she is. Like, she's- that little blonde girl sitting there in front of the TV, I was like, that's our kid. (laughs) She's going to become possessed. Our kid's already possessed, I swear, every bedtime. I think that this, uh, it sounds weird and I don't know if it's right, but I would almost, I would almost go so far as to use the words family and horror film together Mm. in this film. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. I did find the eldest daughter was mildly irrelevant to everything. Yeah, okay. She's never there. She's never involved. I, I don't know, like, Maybe she's there at the end for the scene because it's like, get in the fucking car. But, like, otherwise, why? Like, the story very much works without her. Um, Yeah, but you know what? I think that's something I actually like about it. I, It's funny, you know, like, obviously there is the rule of Chekhov's gun. You know, if you're going to introduce something in the first act, it should have a purpose. I understand that. But at the same time, like, that's not the way that real life works and the way that families work, you know? Like, I actually don't mind the idea of just having a character there because she's a member of the family. I don't think everybody needs to necessarily have something to do. Mm, Yeah, I don't know. I just- I just kind of found her irritating because every so often she'd pop back on and I was like, oh, that's right. I forgot about you. Like- Yeah. Yeah, I found her a a little distracting to the story. Um, Whereas their relationship with each other, I found really interesting and quite modern for its time. And I found their relationship with their two children um, much more interesting because the boy, you know, he goes to get sucked into the tree and then the little girl is the one who gets sucked into the TV. Yeah. There's much more going on with them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, younger kids are creepier. And- <laughs> Topher would say so. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, like, I think we'd had a lot of horror movies around this time focused on older teenagers. You know, like this 
like obviously in the 70s we had the rise of the slasher flick with films like Halloween focused on you know Jamie Lee Curtis you know like you mm-hmm. had the whole trope of the 16 year old babysitter mm. and to my memory this might be one of the first movies that kind of flips that she's not really a key player and and we're focusing on these young yeah. kids you know like ET with monsters mm. yeah yeah it it felt like ET meets um a horror film let's talk about the acting in the film for a moment like you kind of said there's a lot of scenes here that hang it's very much centered around the family Mm. the young girl heather o'rourke um is quite a central player although Mm. it's funny re-watching she's in the tv for a large chunk of the film there's a lot of the film where she's not actually there and and then i found once she came back i suddenly was aware at how terrible an actress she was (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that's fair oh i mean yeah she's young whatever it's fine um i didn't notice it at first as much maybe less was required of her at first like she was just kind of cute and they're here and although she did get over the death of her bird real quick oh but that's kids man that's kids (laughs) it did remind me of your little sister (laughs) yeah Yeah. i wish i had a bird you have a bird yeah you have a bird it died (laughs) (laughs) so you cannot flush a bird down the toilet p.s what the hell was that about well she didn't do it in the end did she yeah only because her daughter saw you what you ew no that and imagine the blockage oh yeah yeah, although American toilets are much bigger than ours, They're, you know, I don't. Maybe they do bigger, shits, but, but, but they they've got a much larger passageway than our toilets. Oh my god! But- <laughs> Feel like and, gotten off track. And they're so full of water. Yes. Like actually, you sit down. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you wouldn't know this, but your balls dip. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> they are so full of water over there. You should cut that out. <laughs> that is disgusting. I refuse to. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy's listeners left in droves. <laughs> um, so that role was actually considered to be given to Drew Barrymore. Who, of course, was a child actor at the time. I this was the same like year ET came. Ah, oh, okay. I, I do feel like perhaps she would have done a better job. We know Drew can act. We've so, seen it. <laughs> Heather O'Rourke, to my knowledge, was not an actor before this. She was in a family of actors, and that's where Steven Spielberg came across her. He was eating lunch at, I think it was the Universal lot or something, and her older sister was filming something there. Oh. So Heather O'Rourke was having lunch with her mother, and Spielberg just saw her and was Waltzed like, she'd up. be perfect, waltzed on over and, and offered her the part, like, that day. Oh, that's a little creepy. I mean, I'm sure nothing untoward happened. I don't know. Hollywood's a dark place, but- Oh, I'm not Spielberg. But imagine, <laughs> did he have the reputation he has now back then? And also, like, <laughs> you remember you and Tova were going to, like, go to a party with Weinstein and fuck, thank God we didn't. <laughs> I would have gone with you. Yuck. <laughs> it's creepy to just go up to someone and be like, your daughter is the perfect look for <laughs> that, it, I'm, it is, that I'm looking for. It is a bit creepy. Mm. <laughs> um, so, obvi- so, you knew nothing about this film, so I'm guessing that you don't know. Or have you heard that this film is cursed? What? What do you mean? So, Why would you tell me that after I've watched it? The older sister, Dana- yeah. Died just after this film was released, Aww. very tragically. I feel bad ragging on her the now. Girl, you could have told he- me that. The little girl, Heather O'Rourke, she went on to star in the next two sequels, Poltergeist 2 and oh, 3. Oh, the sequels. Um, which came out in the next, you know, three, four years after this. And then she died just before Poltergeist 3 was oh. released. 
you could have told me that heart attacks. Like I said, she was a old girl. Jesus. Yeah, it's spooky, right? What about the brother? I don't know. Nobody cares about the brother. I think he's God. Old. He's an ugly kid. My <laughs> God. Jesus. I, as someone who had buck teeth growing up, and quite frankly, still does. I feel for him. You but know I was what, just though? like, mate, mate, paper bag. <laughs> he probably grew up to be a slam and hottie, though. Like, look at fucking- Neville Longbottom. Neville, I was just going to say, look at Neville Longbottom. Damn. It's always the utmost, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hope I'm hanging on to. I'm hoping that one day I'll turn. I'll be Aww. like- I'll, I'll come out of my cocoon as a beautiful butterfly. You're already instead beautiful, of, honey. Oh, you. <laughs> um, yeah, so- the theories that the, the franchise is, is cursed because then multiple actors from the second one died at the time of release as well. Ooh. And there is a rumour, and it has never been proven, but Joe Beth Williams, who of course played the mother in the film. Mm. Slamming hottie, as you kept saying. Oh, such a babe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's um, fine. She came out saying that, you know, the skeletons in the pool? Mm-hmm. Real skeletons. No. She said at the time it was cheaper to use real human skeletons Ew. than it was to use plastic ones. And so they used real human skeletons. No, and that's, they didn't. They, well, that's what she says. And but that, then that all is the why bones the would cursed. float away separately. I they don't were know. whole skeletons. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe they glued them together. I don't know what to tell you. But that is, that's what she has claimed, that they would. it was cheaper to uh, use real human remains. I'd have time. refused to do that scene. It's horrific. I am not a squeamish person, you know that, but I would not want to be floating around in mud with real skeletons bumping up against me. No. <laughs> no. Oh, such a great scene, though. Like I said, I, I honestly had forgotten how much came from this film. It really made me laugh, though, that my favourite Sim- Simpsons treehouse horror. You didn't tell us this was built on an ancient <laughs> burial ground. Well, that's not my recollection. <laughs> he says he mentioned it five or six times. But how God. great oh. how great is Craig T. Nelson in that moment yes. when he's shaking the guy and screaming at yes. him? He's like, you moved the bedstones, didn't you? But you didn't move the bodies. You didn't move the bodies, didn't you? <laughs> no, his best moment, because let's face it, he was actually quite useless for most of the film. <laughs> he was. I liked their relationship. But, yeah, he didn't actually do a whole lot in terms of being helpful. Um, but I, I really liked when they finally at the end, the very end scene is them going to the hotel room and he just pushes the TV out and leaves it out on <laughs> oh, the balcony. Yeah, great moment. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, moment. he literally, like, he has Perfect one job. Way to end it. He has one job. He's the key guy. He has the car keys. He has the he hotel room keys. He fumbles with every fucking key he, he ever holds. Get it Mate, right. just, like, these are keys you use. Multiple times a day in your everyday life, and he can't get it together. And I know it's a stressful situation. Come on, mate. This is your one job. Your wife has done everything yeah. else. She has saved the children thrice over, yeah. and you're fumbling with keys Craig, again. You stick it in the slot and you twist it. It ain't that hard, mate. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh. Speaking of Jo Beth Williams doing everything. Not only is she a complete slamming hottie, which she absolutely is, she fucking rocks in this movie. And I think she's great. I think that she is a large chunk of what makes this movie work. And the reason I think that it has this kind of fun family feeling is for the first half hour or so, even when there are ghosts, 
it's treated yeah. not in a horror way. It's treated in a fun kind of discovery way, much like the discovery of E.T. I, you know, I don't you think know of if- the scene where she first discovers it when the kitchen chairs are moving. Yeah. That's not a scary scene. Oh, it, it, it is a bit freaky at first when she's like, oh, I've told you to stop moving the kitchen chairs. And then, you know, she turns away and then turns back yeah. and she screams. Like that freaked me out a little. But then she approaches it with a sense of humor. And I don't know if that's because they're portrayed as sort of young, fun parents anyway. Like they're, yeah. you know, smoking in bed or maybe that's just what you did in the 80s. I don't know. But, you know, they're, they're constantly having fun together as a couple yeah. while yeah. parenting. And I just, I don't know, I, I felt like it was quite modern for yeah. a film from then. And yeah. I really liked their relationship. I agree. I think that I- their relationship <laughs> definitely is a, goes a long way to what makes this movie really work. Yes. But, but that scene where she's- where he comes home and she's yeah, like, and she's marked you, you got to see this. And, yeah. and, like the, and then she puts the helmet yeah, on the Yeah, kid. that's where I drew the line. I was like, okay, it's always good to approach some creepers in your house with a sense of humour. Don't know if I would be test <laughs> using my child as a test dummy. Oh, sure, I put a helmet. absolutely would. Put a helmet on. She's totally safe. But, I'm but like, then- what? You're basically asking for her to be... Possessed and taken. <laughs> but then she's trying to convince Craig T. Nelson to do it too. She's like, come come here, come here, come here. You, you got to try this. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a funny scene. I, I didn't like her cavalier attitude, um, though, towards the builders they have at their house doing the pool, harassing their eldest daughter. Her daughter gives them the finger. And she's, of course, proud of her daughter, as anyone would be. But she doesn't do anything about it. If those were builders at my house, I'd be like, ah, uh, you're fucking fire. Out you go. <laughs> what the fuck? It was the 80s. <sighs> and this is why in 2021, women still have to put up with this because we're like, well, you know, men are creepers. Oh, well. Boys will be boys. Yeah. Now, right after that scene in the kitchen where they first discover the ghosts, there's a weird cut. Oh, and that- you noticed this as well, and you thought maybe I had a shitty copy or something. I did. I accused you. I was like- I know. You pointed at me and screamed, Jacuz! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> um, no. That is how this film goes. Really? Yeah. There's a very weird cut in the middle of a sentence, in the middle of a scene. It just cuts to the next scene. So, why? Because well, someone either should be fired or- <laughs> There are theories about this. The prevailing theory, the one that most people- kind of go by. You'll remember that earlier in that scene, there's a mention of Pizza Hut. When mm, when she puts yep. the helmet on the little kid, she says, don't worry, we'll go get Pizza Hut after. Yeah. The prevailing theory- Remember Pizza Hut. The prevailing theory is that the scene continues and later on in the scene, Craig T. Nelson says, I hate Pizza Hut. Oh. The theory goes that the film had been edited, had gone to print, was about to be released- Pizza Hut, I don't know whether there was an advanced screening or something. They got wind of this and they said, cut that fucking shit out or we will sue. And because the film had already gone to print, they couldn't just cut the line out. So, all they had time to do was this sloppy, just fuck, cut the rest of the whole scene. And I assume it would have been filmed back then. So Exactly. They just had to splice that bit out and just stitch the Because it's really bad. If I notice bad editing and I don't notice anything, then- Yeah. So that's that's the prevailing theory. And there are kind of versions of that part of the script floating around online mm-hmm. where the scene continues and, and he, he says, kinda, I hate pizza. He Hut. kind of freaks out a bit. There is a line about him hating that's Pizza Hut, just a throwaway joke. Because what parent enjoyed Pizza Hut? God, I would hate to go there now as a parent. I loved it are as you a kidding? kid. Oh, man. The, I know you would still like I'd it. I'd give up my right ball to go back to Pizza Hut, honestly. There is too much balls in this episode <laughs> and you need to 
like tone it down. Honestly, the all-you-can-eat buffet. Do you remember the all-you-can-eat? In fact, I have vivid memories of eating Pizza Hut the night that I watched this movie. I remember watching that pool scene and eating pizza, and it was the greatest night of my childhood life. I loved Pizza Hut too. Not as much as Sizzler. Ew. <laughs> Sizzler. Gross. But any th- anything with an all-you-can-eat dessert bar has my heart until the day I die. Um, isn't there a legendary story of you eating and eating and eating yeah. at the bar, not even walking back to your table, and then yeah. you vomited fried rice everywhere? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What? N- not, uh, not, not at the bar. As I was walking back, I was like, I feel a bit sick. And I just walked and spewed all up the hallway as I walked back to my family's table. <laughs> because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Yeah, so that's the prevailing theory. The other rumour, which is less likely, is that for the rest of that scene, they they light up another joint. And because they wanted to keep the film family friendly, one scene of them smoking a joint in bed was fine. Mm. Two scenes was too much. And so, oh, at the okay. last minute, they were like, no, we got to cut it. But I think, I don't know, I think the Pizza Hut one makes sense. Uh, I mean, if that's the case, no wonder they went out of business. <laughs> because- a child saying in a film, I don't like Pizza Hut is one thing. An adult saying it, well, yeah, of course. Whatever. <laughs> Get over it, Pizza Hut. Fuck off. <laughs> you got to be so careful, though. Like, I remember being told, you know, like if you're filming anything. Like, when I was pitching sitcoms or something, for example, mm. you cannot – like, you can't write an episode about people playing Monopoly, for example. If really? if If something bad happens that is caused by the game, you know, like – Oh, my God. Like – you can't even if you have a throwaway joke that's like, "Oh, Monopoly killed my family." If you don't explain how, you're liable to be sued because you're you're giving that company a bad name. Mm. You got to be real. This careful. is the world we live in. That's, that's why. That's why most films use fake. You know, you think of the the nails cigarette company mm. in um in the the viewers universe, or you know, if you ever see people drinking, you'll always notice that the labels are turned. The yeah. other way, unless it's clear product <laughs> placement. Unless it's a Corona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you can drink anything you want, as long as it's As a long corona. as it's a Corona. <laughs> Jesus. I did find it a bit strange that in the scene um, where sort of it all starts to properly take place, the, the horror, I suppose, um, the, the storm outside is bothering the kids. Close the fucking curtains. Yeah. Like- why do those parents shut the door, but will leave the curtains I know. wide open? As a parent, closing the curtains is like 101. You learn that early. Like, as soon as you hit daylight savings here and it's yeah, bright outside like at seven, you close those curtains up. You're like, no, 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 it's dark. Yeah. It's dark out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely dark. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You would close those curtains if yeah. you don't want those kids coming Lockout out. Lockout curtains is the first thing you buy as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I did find it a bit strange um, that the they made a point about oh you know uh, it was here before my company built the whole neighbourhood just a casual flex from Craig T Nelson like oh look at me my <laughs> my company built the whole neighbourhood um, I like that they built it around the tree I don't believe for a second that uh, any modern development would have centred around a, an old dead tree. You know what? There was this rumour when I was a kid. The suburb that I grew up in had this street called Twelve Trees. I know that street. And there was this prevailing rumour that, oh, yeah, these, there's these 12 really old trees. And every kid would be like, oh, yeah, I have one of those trees at my house. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, yeah. 
Isn't it funny what kids will claim they have? Yeah. yeah. Going back to where the mum is experimenting using her daughter as well and the chairs have moved. That part actually I think was the first time I jumped. The little hand reaching up to pull her mum's shirt at the back. Yeah. That was a very clever shot. Yeah. That little was. hand. I, like I have little hands pulling up and tugging at my shirt all day long, but fuck that freaked me out. It did. And like it's funny, you know that it's her. Yes. But because of the way it's framed so cleverly mm. where you can't see her body in shot. And at I wasn't all. expecting it, even no. though I knew she was there. Like yeah. oh, clever yeah it's very clear it's it's not it's not really all that faked you know like her hand moves up very quickly like a child's hand would but yeah it's freaky as fuck when it happens yeah i think i think that was the first time i jumped slightly one of the things i really enjoyed was that the parents instead of going to the police went straight to the x-files team their local x-files and i was like you know what i like you two even more (laughs) it was another part of their relationship i enjoyed and that we didn't have that whole it, – it's used so often um, and it's not necessarily always the wife, but it was in – what was the film you made me watch a while ago when I hated it? Insidious? Yeah, yep. Yeah. You know, and Rose Byrne is like, something's wrong in this house. Something's freaky. I can sense something. Things aren't normal. And her husband's not believing her. It's not always the wife or the – you know, often it is. But from the moment freaky things started – it was the pair of them together. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Of course, the little girl is going to be possessed. Um, she carries Luke Skywalker around in her mouth. What's that about? She's too old to carry things around in her mouth like that. I carry things in my mouth. Yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah. You're always my- fidgeting with things. Yeah. If my, if my hands are full and I've got to carry something, I'm using my mouth. You've seen me before when my smartwatch goes off. I'll use my nose. You, know, you do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll scroll on my nose and like <laughs> dismiss the notification with my honker. Like, I'm not going to waste my fingies on that. Don't say fingies. <laughs> oh, God. We haven't spoken about the real MVP of the film, the Golden Retriever. Oh, Such I was a gonna, good boy. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the MVP of the film is Joe Beth Williams' sports jersey. Oh, I think Jesus. I think this film had Slam to and be- Slam and hottie, we get it, yep. This this film, at least for me, is the reason why women in sports jerseys are so attractive. I don't I don't know if it's this film, is it? I just- It has to be. I don't- Okay. I can't comment on that. <laughs> hate sports. But <laughs> yes, back to the dog. Great dog. I love that dog. And then when they're sending the um, kids away, the dog's like, nah, fuck it. I'm leaving too and yeah. hops in the car. <laughs> yeah. I was like, best boy ever. <laughs> I love Golden Retrievers so much. I really enjoyed the music in this film. I was just about to bring up the score. Jerry Goldsmith, who, you know, Classic. It's funny. His name isn't as well remembered as, you know, you don't think of like John Williams, for Mm. example. But I mean, fuck, Jerry Goldsmith did Planet of the Apes, Chinatown, Gremlins, Total Recall, Air Force One, The Mummy. Like he's done some, he's done some slapping scores. And this one is right up there. It is. It is exciting. It is scary when it needs to be. Mm. It's it's memorable. It's a great score. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I found it um, – maybe it's just this, the strings and then later on the kind of the growling and the, the vortex and stuff. But I, I just felt like I was watching Stranger Things, but not Stranger Things now set in the 80s. Stranger yeah. Things actually <laughs> from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. 
let's talk about the visuals for a moment while we're on, you know, cinematography and score and everything. You said at the start that a lot of the effects don't hold up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's about 50-50 for me. I think there are some that hold up really, really well. Like which ones? When Joe Beth Williams is dragged up to the oh, ceiling. Oh, that, yes. That, flawless. Yes. It's a great looking scene. It is. You're um, right. You know, the creepy clown, beautiful design there. Yep. You know, like I think, I think there's quite a lot that holds up. I think particularly anything that's practical holds oh. up really well. Well, I was just about to say, it proves once again my point that Practical effects hold up yeah. always better than because when there's stuff flying around the room, they could have yeah. done that practically, but they didn't, and it looks awful. Yeah, the, the big growly skull thing that comes through that—that that was one of the other times I jumped, but it was more just the shock of it. I wasn't actually scared. Yeah, at any point by um, it. The I'll skeletons, tell you what I was scared which by. may or may not be real skeletons, yeah. Yeah. scary as fuck. <laughs> that whole scene with the pool and. You know, they're covered in mud and, like, it's, uh, it's such a great scene. I think sequence. it's more scared. Th- I think it's more scary, though, because you just don't want to be Joe Beth in that moment. You don't want to be, like, floating around in mud, terrified for what's happening to your children and having dead things bump up against you. Yeah. I wouldn't say – but I wouldn't say I was actually fearful myself watching it. Yeah, okay. Like, there's a difference between – uh, the horrors that you make me watch that I don't like, like Insidious, yeah. hate that shit, where I'm constantly on the edge of my seat in a very unpleasant way versus just like, oh, that would be gross for that character. Yeah. Like the scene with the steak. Also, what the fuck? Oh. Who goes to someone's fridge, takes out a chicken wing, starts eating it? Like, you're a guest yeah. in their house. <laughs> takes out a steak. Those things aren't cheap. And then, yeah, the maggots and the way it crept yeah. along like a slug. That, that holds up great. The that way that steak well. moves, mm-hmm. like how it kind of lifts its middle up. Like yes. you say, like how a slug like a, pulls yeah. itself. It was gross. Fucking great. But, yeah, anything that is digital, you know, all of the, the effects, as you say, when when she gets pulled out of the TV and you've got kind of like digitally drawn light of her kind of wisping mm. out- um, any of that stuff with the kind of vortex mm. is all really bad. Mm. You know what held up better than I thought it would, though? The the collapsing of the house. Yes, actually. At the end, when the house folds in on itself. <laughs> Just sorry. You're thinking of Treehouse of Horror? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that line? Um, it, it chose to destroy itself rather than be with us. Can't help but feel a little rejected. It just made me laugh. Yeah. But that held up so much better than I thought it would. And and I'm sitting there as a visual effects artist trying to work out how that scene was done in 81. And I have yeah. to be honest, I, like, I, I struggled with it. it there must be a combination of matte paintings. and But it holds up really exceptionally well, that scene. Yeah, I did enjoy it. I did find um, any time that the TV was on and it was on the, what is it called? The popcorn? That's what our daughter calls it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What is that called? Static. Static. That's right. Our daughter calls it popcorn. Yeah. (laughs) The popcorn channel. Um, Anytime that was on, I understand they have to add an element of lighting to every scene because it's for film and it's not real life. But the strobe effect was too much. Like- as a viewer, I, I found it really hard to watch. Yeah, okay. I felt like I was, yeah, watching a disco or something. Yeah. See, I don't find that at all. Actually, I find the lighting in this film really beautiful. And it's obviously lit, you know, like it's not, this isn't what you would call natural lighting. 
But I think for the most part, it lends itself to the action really quite well. Like, mm. obviously, yeah, the static from a TV doesn't strobe as much as the look we get. Yeah. But I actually think it's a really nice look that- and, and it's become so iconic as well, just, you know, that- if you see someone sitting in the dark with the TV flashing on them, mm. I think of this film straight away. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I, I know why they did it. I just felt it was a little too much. Yeah. Okay. Too much strobe. Fair enough. The, another that held up really well was the guy visualising that his skin was rotting off his face. Yeah. I'm not sure, though, that if I see my skin potentially rotting away – the first thing I do is start to completely pull it off. That's not true. You would. Th- how many How many times do you have a scab and you pick at it and you pick Yeah, at but it? I want to preserve my face. I don't want to get rid of my face. And he is like, hey, oh, no, it's rotting, and then just pulls his face off completely. I'm like, mate, what are you doing? I don't know. I think you'd be you kind need, of freaked you out. You would feel like your face is kind of falling off anyway. So you'd be mm. like, I, I don't know. I, I I think of it as, yeah, you would think in some way that you're helping. Mm. You know, it's I like-, like that he didn't return. She was like, this one will return, but this guy won't. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I Actually, I really loved that woman, leader of X-Files yeah. gang. Yeah. She, and I, I loved her relationship with Joe Beth. Williams, I just them chatting at night and um, drinking together. I just, I don't know. It just gave me a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. The relationships in this film were what had it for me. I I felt like I was watching a film that has horror to it rather than a horror, which usually does not ever bother to build decent relationships. You feel like you're watching another- you know, I mean, CSI should, or SVU should. episode where they give you, like, a heartfelt moment at the beginning and then no, but, and then the horror starts. But this is the problem. A really good horror film should because you're not going to care when characters start dying I if you don't, don't care about the characters and the relationships. And, well, that's a bad horror then. Like, that's- well, that's mostly all I've seen. No. <laughs> Most horrors are bad. As a genre, it's not. It's not known for making good films. I'm, I'm going to prove you wrong by the end of this month. Okay. We're, we're two out of five now, and so far you've enjoyed both of them. That's true. That is true. Though I liked her, I, I thought her guys were completely incompetent. One's off to eat their chicken and steak, and the other one's listening to music when he's literally supposed to be monitoring things. And he's not. He's just <laughs> listening to music. What are they doing? They were just so incompetent. And then the, the next chick she brings in- uh, Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah. I know ultimately she leads them to get their children back, you know, throwing the balls in and stuff. That was all very smart, testing it out with, you know, the balls and, and the rope and stuff. And then the mum goes in and saves her daughter. But then she says at the end, this house is clean. I love that line. You didn't like it? Well, I wrote down, how do you know that? And then it's not clean. You didn't do your job, love. Yeah, look, and that's actually one thing I have with the film. I don't believe this is a poltergeist. And I think that's pretty clear because she describes the difference between a poltergeist and a haunting. Mm. She says a poltergeist is more linked to an individual Mm. and a haunting is linked to the house and the location. Yeah. By the end of the film, it becomes pretty clear it's linked to the house, right? Because it's built on on a cemetery and there's bodies there. Like, it's- I don't think it is actually a poltergeist. Possibly. And I, I, I have very little memory of the sequels. And given that it's the same family, it's quite possible oh, that that's when it becomes clear that, that, uh, it that is it's a, poltergeist. a poltergeist. Well, because it, is it linked to the, the girl? Is the tree 
itself haunted and trying to attack the child. The tree definitely seemed to be possessed in some way. It wasn't just a regular tree yeah. in a storm. Um, so, were they trying to take the children and if they couldn't get the boy, then they took the girl instead? No, I think it's clear because- from the start that she is some kind of medium. Right. You know, she can communicate with them through the TV because so not, not only does she hear them, she, linked to she talks to them she does, in one yeah. of the opening scenes. So, yeah, it's, that, clear that was, that, that it's clear that she- Both funny and freaky, the way they're just watching her and she's like chatting away to yeah. the TV. I'm like, who whose kid hasn't done some freaky shit like that? Oh, yeah. Although I feel fairly confident- after taking one of our children, a, polter- a poltergeist would give them back. Oh, absolutely. They'd be like, <laughs> They'd be like this kid. <laughs> yeah, we've had enough of them. Stop asking for snacks. <laughs> Stop asking questions. Stop asking for snacks. Stop asking if you can watch TV. Go away. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's clear that she's at the very least a medium or all linked to the spirits. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the poltergeist is- linked to her. I don't yeah, know. Possibly. You're you're yeah. right though. It's not actually clear by the end of it whether it's a poltergeist and perhaps that is a flaw in the film. <laughs> it's also just a really cool name though. There are enough movies called The Haunting. Poltergeist is a sick fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> it slaps as you would say. <laughs> I did find her Zelda Rubenstein's a little creepy. Like Did you? Yeah. I love like I said before that line this house is clean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I think of that I just all thought the it time. added another creepy element to it. But she's supposed to be the one helping. I, I don't know. I just. I think that I think I don't know. I think the kind of person that is going to be, for example, performing an exorcism or, you know, assisting in this kind of occult nature. I think they're going to be inherently a kind of creepy person. Like if this is the career you've chosen is to deal with ghosts and poltergeists, you're going to be a little creepy. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But I, I, I love it. You know, like. I sh- I've been meaning to do this, and I know it would piss you off to no end. What? I know that you hate that our house is super smart. I, I love it. I'm sick of it. I know. I Do you remember when I used to have it set so that when I came home from work, the Seinfeld theme would start playing when I opened the front door? I do. <laughs> that was fucking great. And the make it sexy time, and the fucking red lights would go on, and yeah. what would play? Barry, Barry Manilow. Manilow. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> But I should really make it so that when our robot vacuum finishes, the house announces, this house is clean. (laughs) Okay, I'm actually on board with that. Really? Yes. That is one of the few things I'm on board with. I am doing that tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You pointed out, and I had to agree with you, that the design of the stairs in the house was a really good design. The way they kind of wave up to the top floor. It's a great design because from certain camera angles, it really puts you off. Mm. You feel like they're it's, – it's a bit of an optical illusion. You feel like they're moving and kind of bending when they're – I don't think they actually are. I think it's just no. the way the stairs are designed. And look, I don't know I don't know whether they would work in real life. I don't know whether you could actually walk up those stairs and whether they would feel unsteady. It's really hard to say. But on camera, they give a really, really great, interesting look that just puts you on edge. Mm. And I think there's a lot of really great camera work in the film. You know, there's quite a few Zolly moves, which we've come to kind of associate with horror films. It was What that? It's a zooming dolly. It's oh. You know the scene where she's standing in the hallway and oh, the yeah. hallway seems to get longer? Yes. What's actually happening there is that the camera is physically moving closer to her while zooming out. Mm-hmm. So, it keeps her at the same focal length while the background is essentially getting wider. Yep. 
and it's it's a very clever technique. You usually do it when you're focusing on a subject's face. You know, you think of the classic Hitchcock oh, people screaming yes. and the camera moves in on yep. them. Um, it's an interesting technique here to instead, you know, f- make the background really the focus rather than that main character as she mm. kind of runs well, towards she's trying this to ever get to expanding her kids. hallway. Yeah, yeah. Really, I think there's some really, really effective camera work in the film. Yeah. That was the other time I got really scared. I truly jumped was when she tried to open the door and it's just this roaring, terrifying, yeah. wind-blowing sound. from Like, why is a door opening so scary? But it was. Yeah. I didn't like it. I mean, great sound design in the film. Yes, like- yeah. You can tell they used, like, actual lions roaring or something and, I don't know, other creatures. But, yeah, the the sound design was excellent and it kind of helped the visual effects that haven't held up look a a little better. What's really clever about the sound, too, is the way that somehow it manages to allow you to not focus when it's not important. Like, you think of the, the storm scene. There's no thunder noises until they start counting it. But, really? But you don't yeah. really notice it. Like, I, I had never noticed it before re-watching it last night because I was kind of paying more attention. Mm. There's no thunder noises. Mm. And it's funny, because I was looking for it, it felt strange to me that there's all these, you know, these light flashes but no sound to yeah. go with them. Mm. Um, but it kind of – it's very clever. It allows you not to focus on that stuff. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was funny, though, that, yeah, Craig T. Nelson's like – Look at me, I'm such a good parent. I taught him a trick. And I'm like, yeah, you taught him a trick that only works in your favor if the storm is moving away. Yeah, the second it and, starts moving and closer then you again, see the them freaking out. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm like, silly Craig T. Nelson. And then you see them both in the parents' bed and I was like, yeah. yep, well, could have warned you. <laughs> at first I found the goo that they were covered in after they come through the other side, I suppose. I don't know, very stranger things. I found it, I was like, ew, it's like a gentle rebirthing, yuck. Yeah. And then they're sitting in the bath and you get a close-up shot of it. It's very clearly just like purple jelly or jello, as Americans would say. It's, I don't know, they, they really shouldn't have gotten so close. <laughs> it doesn't look good close up. I think it holds up pretty well. I think it does its job, which is to look, yeah, creepy and gross. Mm. I love, though, once again, Stephen being useless. He's like, Joe Beth, Joe Beth, Joe Beth, you know, whatever her name is, wake up. He doesn't give a shit about his daughter who's lying there, like, on her chest, comatose. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's been gone at least a week. He's probably had time to adjust. <laughs> a bit of a continuity issue in the film was them talking about how they're getting out of here tonight and they've packed a van full of stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> then you go in their house and... Pretty much everything's there. Yeah, it's a bit weird. She's like using the hairdryer, and yeah, like there's some things like the kids' shelves are empty, but like there's the lounge pic- room is there's all pictures there's pictures on, walls on the wall and lamps and stuff. Like definitely things you would have packed before. I did, I did think that was kind of terrible. Maybe I don't know. Is that set design responsible in that moment? I'm not sure. Like everything should have been packed, but the clowns there. Why wasn't the clown packed? Or why wasn't quite the clown frankly, in the burned, bin? burned alive? <laughs> yeah, <burned> the clown. <laughs> Yeah, the clown never should have been there in the first place. Like even bef- even before the house is haunted, the clown is freaky as fuck. Yeah, who no one no one who enjoys a kid buys that for a kid. No, someone hated that kid and bought it for them. Yeah, although the little girl at one point is sleeping with it. Once again, no wonder she's the one who can talk to spirits. Yeah. 
So, all right, we're now two out of five horror films in for the month. Mm-hmm. How does this compare with Invasion of the Body Snatchers for you and how are you mm-hmm. scoring this film? Yeah, that's tricky. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is definitely a better film. Um, but I th- I think perhaps I enjoyed Poltergeist more. Perhaps it's that 80s, 90s nostalgia. Um, it was just a little more fun. Like I wouldn't say Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a particularly fun film. It's a really well-made film. It's also kind of depressing, whereas in this, well, I don't know, now knowing there's sequels, perhaps they don't escape, they don't live a happy life. The the effects did not hold up anywhere near as well as Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, but I think I would probably choose to watch Poltergeist again randomly okay. over Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I don't know. I feel like maybe they're both an eight, but in different categories of- <laughs> Filmmaking. That's, that's fair. I'm also an eight for Poltergeist. I I love this Maybe film. Maybe it should be a seven. I love this film and I have great memories of watching this film as a kid. Yeah, this, a- is, this is the kind of horror I would happily introduce our children to once they were old enough to Well, let me it. ask you this then. You watched this because- you agreed with me that you would you would watch the five horrors for Halloween for the podcast. Would you, on your own accord, be willing to watch the sequels now after having watched this? Like, a, a, were yeah. you that involved in the film that you'd happily watch Poltergeist two and three just for funsies? As long as they're renowned for holding up and not and not turning Joe Beth into some simpering idiot. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed her. Like, yeah. I think she she's the main driver of my love for this film. Yeah. Okay, sweet. I was thinking next week, how about we get into some vampires? Oh, I do like vampires. Yeah. Vampire Eric? Not Vampire Eric. Damn it. I'm not putting True Blood on. That show went so off the rails. It did. I'm a fucking fairy and that's when we were out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a werepanther. Stop. That's werepanther? Werepanthers. What oh, was that? Are you kidding me, mate? <laughs> but Alexander Skarsgård as a vampire, I mean- that's that's all any woman wishes for. <laughs> Bite my neck. So I'm I'm thinking classic vampires. There's multiple options here, and I don't know which way to go. I mean, obviously the classic vampire is Dracula, mm-hmm. but even then, there's so many different Draculas. Which one do we go with? I've seen zero percent of them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, vampires next week. Have you ever seen From Dusk Till Dawn? Mm, is that the Irish one? No. Nope. No, I don't know it. <laughs> All right. Mm. All right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing. A massive shout out to all of our patrons, and especially our new ones from the last couple of months, Dustin Pertzold and Jamie Russell. You guys absolutely rock. And I'll catch you next week never gets old we ghost again (laughs) it's classic (laughs) 